Praise God. Turn with me to our scripture this evening again. Actually, let's go to Matthew 15. We've been going to Mark 7. But let's go to Matthew 15 and read Matthew's account. We've been talking about truth or tradition. Everybody say that out loud, why don't you? Truth or tradition. And we've been getting into some things and examining what our life is based on. And of course, we're right now in the beginnings of laying the foundation of this church. And I've prayed and laid before the Lord and said, Lord, I don't want to do anything just because somebody else has done it that way. What do you want us to do? What's right for us to do? And so we're taking it a step at a time. I mean, I told him, Lord, if you want us to have a midnight service, we'll have one. What do you want us to do? And uh, we are taking some steps toward what we've already got. But we don't want anything based just on tradition, especially tradition that's contrary to the Word. And this is a subtle thing. This is a subtle thing. Do you suppose that you've based your life on tradition in any areas instead of the Word? Or have you just always been totally based on the Word your whole life? No, the problem is that, you know, we, our grandparents' beliefs were based on certain traditions and then our parents were based on certain traditions and we grew up that way and it just seems normal to you. All your life, that's all you've known. And never realized, well, this is not the Word. As I said, you know, when I first went to Bible school, I was, uh, you know, learning some things. And in prayer, the Lord dealt with me, examine everything you believe and why you believe it. And ask this question, where's the Scripture at for it? Where's it at? Well, I begin that. I mean, it's not something you just finish with in a month or two. You understand? And um, I remember one of the first things that came up to me that I thought, well, yeah, I believe that. And I remembered what the Lord dealt with me. Well, why do you believe that? Where's that at? And I thought, well, I know it's in there. So I got to look. I looked in the Gospels. I looked in the Epistles. I looked in the Old Testament. I looked in the Psalms. I got out in the Concordance. I'm not talking about it once, but over a period of days, I kept looking for it. Eventually, after weeks, I decided, I don't know that it's in there. Well, where did I get it? Because I was convinced of it. Where did I get that? And I finally, the Lord helped me to remember, I had heard my grandpa quote some preacher he had heard years ago. And they didn't have any scripture for it either. Well, if there's no scripture for it, how do we know it's true? Why should we base our life and our belief on it? So we have uh, begun a quest ministerially and church-wise and personal-wise, to find out, is it truth or is it tradition? And the question we're asking all the time is what? Where's the Scripture? Try it out one time. Where's, where's the Scripture? Now, you don't have to be ugly and rude about that, but if somebody's really wanting to push something off on you, just smile and go, where's the Scripture? Help me out, you know. Maybe I don't know where it's at. Show me. At one time, a lady wanted to take me to task about something I had said in the service. And so she was telling me about it. And, and she said, well, it's just like the song says. 
Just like the song says. She's quoting a song to me just like it was Bible. <laughs> Have you found Matthew 15 yet? Matthew 15. Let's begin reading with the first verse. Actually, let's agree and pray before we read the word. Expect to get something good tonight, all right? Expect to get something, you know, it doesn't even have to come out of my mouth. How many know God can talk to you in your heart? Father, we give you praise and thanks for being able to be here and for all your blessings. And quicken your word to us. Open our eyes. Help us to see. Our ears to hear. Our hearts open and receptive. Let there come divine grace deposits and truth impartations. Let there be a supply of the Spirit. A quickening in us from your word. And we purpose not to be hearers only. But to be doers. And we know as we do we'll be blessed. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for an opening of the eyes Lord. Matthew 15 verse 1. Then came to Jesus the scribes and the Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, and they said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? In other words, why don't you do like we do? You ever heard any of that? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now that might sound silly to us. But this was a major issue that they were actually correcting Jesus about. They were calling him to task and questioning him accusatively and judgmentally because he and his disciples had not washed their hands according to their prescription before they sat down and ate. I imagine the Lord did it on purpose. Just went and plopped down at the table. And they said, did you see that? He didn't even wash. And they thought that was next to blasphemy. Wonder if there's anything like that still around today. Hmm? (laughs) Some of the things that people get so upset about. So upset and perturbed and disturbed. I mean, we've heard of church splits over moving the piano. That's right. Well, we think it ought to be on the right side. Well, not us. We think it should be on the left. People leave the church because they wanted to paint the altar. That's right. Hadn't been painted in years. And they said, well, no. You know, Aunt Mildred's tear stains is on that altar. People get upset. You know, we live in a soft, commitmentless world. Do you understand that? I mean, uh, you know, Phyllis used to be over the admissions office in in a Bible school. And I was involved as well. And and we had people come and quit over the most ridiculous things. I mean, they say, I'm called to the ministry. Called, oh Lord, I want to serve you. And so they come and are there for two weeks. And then the one lady come to you, didn't she, Phyllis, and said they were quitting. And you want to know why? Well, they had been getting to school late and had to park out in the gravel parking lot. And she had expensive shoes and walking through those gravel messed up her nice shoes. 
And Phyllis said, well, there's a real simple solution to that. Get here earlier. Get here on time. Well, they didn't like that. They wanted special consideration. They wanted, I guess, a parking place. Somebody said, what would y'all say to them? Bye. <laughs> Why? They're not ministry material. If you can't make it through a gravel parking lot in the morning, how are you going to deal with the stuff that comes up in ministry? You're not. I said, you're not. <laughs> I could meddle there, but I'll just go on. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. They don't wash their hands. Ooh. Verse 3. He answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? That's a good response, isn't it? Jesus is so smart. <laughs> You know, here's a real great thing. Do you know you do not have to answer all questions? You don't have to know all the answers. Hmm. Jesus didn't answer all questions. You remember they came to him one time and they said, By what authority do you do these things? They thought they had him. If he said of God, they thought they had an answer for that. Or of himself, they thought they had an answer for that. They thought they had him in a box. And he said, I got a question for you. baptism of John. Was that from God or was that of men? They thought they had him. They thought they had him in a box. And now in a split second the light's on them. Boom. And all the people's looking at them going, yeah. Yeah. What you going to say about that? And they said, uh, excuse us, excuse us. And they conferred among themselves and these learned individuals with all their degrees after several moments of conferral they came back and said, we cannot tell. <laughs> and he said, well, neither tell I you. <laughs> you know, the enemy was harassing me one time. I said, what do you mean the enemy? Did you see something? No, no. Just thoughts coming against your mind. Feeling of pressure and fear. Some things I was dealing with. And one of the enemy's favorite questions is to come and sit on your shoulder and say, What are you going to do? Huh? That money's due tomorrow. What are you going to do? The doctor said that was incurable. What are you going to do? Your child's in a mess. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I mean, he's a persistent cuss. I mean, he will do that night and day. What are you going to do? Huh? Huh? What are you going to do? And if you listen to that very long, you know what you'll say? What am I going to do? And he'll say, we don't know what you're going to do. It's impossible. We don't know. And you go, oh my God, what, what am I going to do? He goes, we don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what you're going to do. And he was doing that. I don't mean I'm hearing an audible voice, but just those thoughts and those feelings, you know. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. The greater one we were singing about. He's inside us. And if you listen, he's your helper. He's your teacher. And he began to help me. Again, I don't mean I heard a voice, but from inside me, it came to my mind. Well, why don't you ask him what he's going to do? <laughs> He said, you don't even have any problems beside of him. 
At least you're saved. So then I got sassy. I thought, yeah. Yeah. You worried about me? I don't even have any problems beside you. I mean, if I lost everything and fell out dead right here, right now, I'm saved. I go straight to be with Jesus. But not so with you, Mr. Devil. What are you going to do? I mean, the gospel's going all over the world. People are getting saved right and left. People are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. They're learning they got authority over you in the name of Jesus. They're singing, under my feet. What you going to do? What you going to do? Have you read the back of the book? I heard that soon and very soon, a great big old angel is going to come down and grab a hold of you and slap you in chains and throw you in the pit and lock the door. What are you going to do? What you going to do? He was gone by then. You don't want to hear that. Did you understand why I said all that? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to answer every question. Just come back to what you know. Even if it's as basic as this. What are you going to do about all this? I'm saved. (laughs) I'm saved. And just shout about being saved. How many understand missing hell and being in glory with Jesus forever is enough to shout about the rest of your life? If that's all you need. But there's much more besides. Keep reading. He said, why do you transgress the commandment of God with your tradition? For God commanded and said, honor your father and mother. And he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, whoever shall say to his father or his mother, it's a gift by whatever you might be profited by me. And honor not his father or mother. He'll be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Is it true that traditions can render the word of God ineffective? In your life? Yeah, if you hold on to a tradition and push away the word. I mean, when you get the word, it doesn't matter what anybody else said. Right? Or how long you've thought or felt a certain way. If the word corrects you, receive the word. The word shows you to be wrong, well then so be it, but I want the word. He said, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In vain. He called the multitude and he said to them, hear and understand, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Now in our first lesson, we talked about some of these things, truth or tradition, the foundation of our life. Last week, I guess we talked about how the issue is not the outside, but the inside. Mark 7 said it like this, nothing that goes into the man can defile the man. A lot of people don't believe that. You might defile your body, but you're not defiling your spirit with natural stuff. But it's the heart. Hmm? You know, uh, we have to watch. 
about saying, well, if you eat this or if you don't eat that or if you do this or that, then you're not acceptable to God. Well, no, we're not approved to God by meat and drink or by natural things at all. What does God see? The heart. And so we took some time to talk about even what is sin. And we saw a number of scriptures in James and in Romans 14 in different places to him that knows to do good. But don't do it. It's sin. Whatever is not a faith is sin. So let me just take that one phrase in James. You remember it. To him that knows to do good and doeth it not. To him it's sin. To him that knows. Well, what if he didn't know? Then is it sin to him the same with somebody that knows? Well, no, it's not. Well, then how would I know what you know? Right? Well, then how do I know what's sin to you? That's why we shouldn't judge each other. Right? Because, you know, if you're walking in all the light that you have and doing all you know to obey God and follow him with your heart, he's pleased with you. Even though you may not be doing everything right. But if you'll just stay with him, you'll grow and eventually you'll see some things you didn't see before. And you might leave this off and change this and start this and you're developing. But God's good. He doesn't just pour it all on you at once and overwhelm you. You do understand he could absolutely overwhelm us tonight. He could sit me down. And just strip me and show me everything that was not like him in my life. And then compare that to his full glory. And I'd look at it and go, huh, just put me out of my misery. Lord. Just kill me. Just. He doesn't do that, does he? If you're serious about him, if you love him, if you want to serve him, you press in. As you're communing with him, reading the word, praying, going to church, he'll put his finger on him and say, you know, Tom, there's something right here that I really don't like is good. And you go, really, Lord? Yeah, I'd like for you to lay that aside. Okay. So he changes that and changes something else and figures, I'm doing pretty good now. I'm probably getting pretty close to total Christ-likeness. And, and, and then he'll say, Tom, man, you're doing good. You're doing good. I appreciate you doing that. You're drawing close to me all the time. There is something else I'd like for you to look at. And how many know 20 years from now, he'll still say, there is something else here. I'd like for you to do a little more. And And when you grow, walk with the Lord for 20 years, 40 years, and you look back to when you first started, sometimes you go, oh, my Lord, what was I thinking? I didn't even know that was wrong. Look how far off I was. I know a minister acquaintance of mine last year, he was talking about some things and bless his heart. He was a musician and he was on tour in the bus and he got, he didn't know anything. He didn't come up in church. None of his people, he didn't know anything about God. And he was heavy into drugs. And he was out on the road. He was doing the rock star lifestyle thing. And he'd get back on the bus after a show and he'd just say, God, I just love you so much. I just love you. And get his Bible down and get him up about six lines of Coke. And he'd snort a couple of lines of Coke and read Matthew. And go, wow, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. And he'd drink some whiskey and then he'd read another chapter. (laughs) Now, some people would say, he can't be saved. Well, how do you know? No, if he loves God and he's walking in, well, he doesn't do that anymore. 
He, he came to see that that's not what he should do. And he grew. But do you see how that sometimes Christians do they actually get in God's way because they come down hard on people and they judge them and they try to make them just like they are and not willing to admit you didn't get where you are overnight. You didn't start where you are. Right? You have grown a bunch to get where you are. So many. Right? And how many will say to anybody that wants to love God and be serious about Him, we love you. Come on. Sir, don't stay home because you don't have clothes. Don't stay home because you got three rings in your nose. Don't stay home, right, because you got drunk last weekend. Come on. Come to God, right? Come to God. Amen. Follow Him. Stay with Him. Love Him. He loves you. He already knows all this stuff. You can't hide anything from Him. Can't go anywhere and do anything he doesn't know about. I mean, you can take a plane, go to the other side of the world, and you're going to do something. Get behind a tree and hide, and God will say, what you doing? He'll be right there. So you might as well just come to him. Lay it on the floor. Say, Lord, this is it. You know what it is. He said, yeah, and I love you anyway. Some people say, well, he loves you just the way you are. Wrong. Wrong? Yeah, wrong. He loves you right now. That doesn't mean he loves all your ways. Right? Or all your stuff. But he loves you. Doesn't mean he loves all the stuff you do. But he loves you. Anyhow. And if we're real Christians, that's the way we are. We might not love everything you do. We might not like some of your ways. But we still care about you. Amen. Now look at this verse again, please. In verse 11, read it with me. Not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what? That which comes out of what? The mouth. The mouth. Is the mouth important? Yes. The Lord was dealing with me just this afternoon because I was thinking, Lord, what do we, what's our next step that we take with this truth or tradition? Because I know he specifically dealt with me last week about the heart thing. That's the first thing. It's the inside, not the outside. It's the heart. And I begin to realize and see, before we get free from unscriptural, ungodly traditions, we have to identify them. We have to see them. Because there's so many things that people are operating in, and they don't call it tradition of men, but it is. They think it's God, but it's not God. And the Lord gave me this this afternoon from this very verse here. How do we identify tradition in our life that's rendering the word of no effect? The place to look is right under your nose. It's your mouth. Right? Your mouth. My mouth. Because what is it? I mean, people think, well, this would make a person unacceptable to God. Now, the Lord says it's the stuff that comes out of people's heart, and it comes through what? comes out your mouth. And that's what's defiling. I mean, it's not adhering to somebody's dress code and their particular baptismal formula and their particular this or that. God sees the heart. And people say, well, yeah, but nobody really knows what's in my heart. Well, that's not completely true. We don't know all that's in your heart, that's for sure. But you are telling us what's in your heart all the time by what you're saying. Matthew 12, why don't you turn back and look. 
Everybody say identify. Tradition. Tradition. Now we're not talking about just all tradition. We're talking about bad tradition. There is good tradition. That's another subject. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the bad tradition that actually gets in the way of people holding the word. In Matthew 12, Matthew 12, 33, Matthew 12, 33 says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt, because the tree is known by what? By the fruit. Hmm? How do you know that a peach tree is a peach tree? Huh? Is it complicated? Is it complex? Do you have to get horticulturists and other folk to come out and discern for you through extensive education what kind of tree this is? <laughs> hmm? I'm going to say some things you're going to have to think about a little bit. I mean, you know, sometimes people say, well, uh, so-and-so, you know, they'll lie to you. You better watch your money. They'll steal it. But they got a good heart. <laughs> oh, really? Hmm? Well, they, you know, they cussed mom and daddy out and they, they beat up the neighbor and and they stole grandma's money out of her cookie jar. But they're a good kid. They got a good heart. Really? No, what's inside comes out. Amen. It comes out of the mouth first and foremost. And then it comes out. Now, I didn't say they couldn't straighten up. I didn't say they couldn't be all right. But a lot of times people are kidding themselves by thinking, well, you know, this is just a flesh problem. Well, whose flesh is it though? <laughs> Who's in control of that flesh? I'm understand you got to control your own flesh. Nobody else can do it for you. God's not going to do it for you. He'll help you do it, but he can't. He's not going to just do it for you. When it comes to ministry, sometimes people struggle in these areas. I've had people tell me, "Well, brother Keith, nobody will acknowledge my ministry." You know, people won't give me place. And so I can't do the will of God. I can't. I'm supposed to be a this. I'm supposed to be a missionary. I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be a the other. And people won't give me place. I tell them I am, but they won't give me place. I tell them I'm a, I'm a prophet. Respect me. I'm an apostle. Respect me. Well, now, which would be the best? Let's say the trees are out in the woods in the wintertime. And there's some big evergreens towering up. And there is this peach tree. But the leaves are off. It looks like a scrub bush. And for the peach tree to look up to the evergreens and go, Yeah, you guys are green and y'all are tall, but I'm a peach tree. I got the biggest, most luscious peaches. I am a peach tree and go through his family tree and how he came to be. I'm a peach tree. And they look down and say, oh, shut up, you little scrub bush. You're nothing. You're a little scrub bush. I'm a peach tree. I'm a peach tree. Really, I'm a peach tree. Believe me. Receive me. Should the peach tree go through all that for month after month through the wintertime or what? Just wait. Just wait. Just wait till... 
peach bearing season and when there's great big old peaches hanging there you won't need a peach tree sign you won't need peach tree advertisement you won't need anybody hollering what you are everybody will see and know you am a peach tree Well, there's no need to hang titles around your neck or to try to get exas- uh, upset with people about them not receiving your gift and play. Don't, don't, don't do all that. Obey God. Just obey. It's not in titles. It's in fruit. It's in results. Amen. Just follow God. And after a while, if there is something, a call on your life, a gift in your life, if it's producing, people will begin to see it. And they begin to go, well, look, that's such and such. Right? And I don't know why I said all that. but What defiles a man or a woman? It's the things that come out of the mouth. Keep reading. Verse 34. Generation of vipers. Now, he's not just saying that to all of us. He's talking to these hypocritical Pharisees. Now, if you're like that, then this would fit you. But how can you, being evil, speak good things? If your heart's full of evil stuff, what's going to come out of your mouth? Evil stuff. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. Speaketh, I mean. It comes out. Right? You can't hide it. It will come out. I got a message I preached called, What Are You Full Of? And that's what we're talking about. And you know, whatever you're full of is what's going to come out. If you're full of soap operas, because that's what you feed on mostly, then even though you try to act spiritual, it won't be long. It's going to be something about a soap come out. You use it for an example, or like I went in some room some years ago, and these ladies were huddled around talking about so-and-so was having an affair with his wife's sister, and so-and-so was, I forget what, I mean, I was just, the more I heard it, I thought, dear Lord, what? what? And I, I guess they saw the look on my face, they said, oh, oh, it's the soap, it's on the soap. But to them it was real. Well, there might be a number of things that might even be okay in your life, but you shouldn't just be full of that instead of full of God. There are people that are just full of cars. Guys, just full of cars. (laughs) They didn't do well in algebra. They didn't do well in math, but they could remember the compression ratio on a 426 Hemi. Somebody said, why did you say that, Keith? Because realize that. When you think, well, I'm not good in math. Really? How do you remember bore and stroke? Hmm? Do you understand math if you understand what gear ratio to put in there to make it go faster through the quarter? No. People remember what they want to, what's important to them. Let me go ahead and meddle a little bit. People that can't seem to remember things. I am so sorry. I just forgot. What did they just tell you? It wasn't important to me. Hmm? Now, you know, once in a while, people might just make a mistake and really get busy or something. But most of the time, when people just blow things off, it wasn't important to them. That's why you remember what's important to you. How did I get off into that? 
What were we talking about before I got over there? What are you full of? What are you full of? That's right. Full of cars. So people, you're around them for just a few minutes and they'll start talking about that. That they're the most interested in. Well, we can have hobbies and interests, but how many know the thing we should be the most full of is God? And so when you're really full of God, it won't be too long. No matter what you're talking about, he's going to come up. Amen. Because he is the most important. Now, um, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Won't you just say that out loud with me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. Go with me to James, the first chapter. James chapter 1. In James 1, you may know this, but let's look at it. It's not just what you know, it's what you do. James 1 and verse 22. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And he talks about being a doer. And down in verse 26, you'll see the number one way that you are a doer of the word. All this goes together. You'll see the number one way that you act on the word. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious. And what? Bridles not or doesn't control his tongue. But deceives his own heart. His religion is vain or empty or worthless or good for nothing we might say. Do we believe that? That your religion is really good for nothing if you don't watch your mouth? Is that true? Let me say that real slow. Is it true? That if you don't control your mouth, your religion is good for nothing. It's vain, it's empty. Boy, if that's true and we know it is, it's the word, it should make an impression on us. Your mouth. He didn't end there. He goes through the whole second chapter talking about faith has to have works. There's got to be an expression of your faith. In other words, you've got to act on what you say you believe. It's not enough to say, I believe it, I believe it. Act on it. Wouldn't done you any good wherever you drove from to just stay at home and say, I believe in going to church. I believe in Keith and that Faith Life Church over there they started. I believe in that. And just stayed there and flipped the channel on the TV. <laughs> I believe in giving. I'm glad they're taking up an offering tonight. I believe in it. But just sit right there in your chair. How many of you go to the spa, the workout, the gym, and you sit there on the side and go, I believe in working out. Y'all do it. Woo! Give me another iced tea. You know, I believe in exercise. I could watch it all day. I believe in it. Will that do you any good? Absolutely no good at all. Unless you what? Act on what you believe. Act on it. Act on it. And you'll find, like I've just told you, the number one way that you act your faith is through your mouth. Through what you say. That's not just my idea now. He said it in James. I just showed it to you. Two talk, Chapter 2 is talking about 
works and faith. Chapter 3, what does he continue to talk about? See, this wasn't just written in chapter and verse. It was all written together, a letter. What does he begin to talk about in chapter 3? All this goes together. Let's read verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, in what he says, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle or control the whole body. Friend, get this now. If you hadn't seen this before, this can totally change your life. Is it true that you can control your whole body with your mouth? Is it true? Is it true? Can you control your appetite? Can you control your metabolism? Can you control your circulatory system? Your kidneys? Your lungs? Your heart? You do know most people do not believe what I'm saying. You do know that. Most people do not believe that at all. If they did, they wouldn't be saying what they're saying. You read it now. Make sure you understand. I'm not just saying this. James 3, 2. If any man offend not, we'd say it like this, doesn't miss it, doesn't mess up in what he says in his words. The same is a perfect, don't let that word throw you, complete, mature man. And able to what? To bridle the whole body. And he gives the example. We put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. The ships, though they be so great and are driven with fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm or rudder, whithersoever the governor lists, and even so the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. How many believe that you can take a huge horse? So you couldn't wrestle him, you couldn't make him do what you want him to do, but you can put a bit in his mouth and steer him, make him go south instead of north, east instead of west, is that right? You can take a huge ship with tons and tons and tons and tons of cargo out on seas with winds and the force of these waves and with a relatively small rudder. That thing can be going into the wind, going into a storm, and you can just turn that rudder. And Now that doesn't mean the ship just spins on a dime, but the moment you turn that rudder, something starts happening. It begins to change direction. And if you'll just hold that rudder where you want it, eventually that thing will turn completely around. Is it true that you can be going one way in your life? Hmm? I think if he'd have been writing this today, he might have said the steering wheel. Though the truck is so big, you can take the steering wheel. That's what a rudder is to a ship. And you can turn it and make the truck, make the car go wherever you want it to go. What do you think about somebody that's in a car and they just get in on the passenger side with nobody in the driver's seat? And just reach over and throw it in gear and put their foot on the uh, accelerator. And you're riding in the back seat or something and you're ripping down the road and you're running in one ditch and you're coming up and going in the other ditch. And you're going to say, why don't you get over there and drive? And he goes, no, I just believe the Lord drives my car. The Lord is in control. Huh? 
Does that work? Somebody said, well, if you had enough faith, it would. The Lord didn't tell you to do that. Hmm? No. But people do that with their life. They just say anything that they see and anything that they feel and just say, well, the Lord's in control. I'm going to say something that's very strong statement. Don't accept it just because I say it. Search it out. Your words carry more weight in your life and have more power in your life than anybody else's words, in many cases, more than God's. So why would you say such a thing? If he says that your sins are paid for and on Jesus, and you say, I don't believe it. I don't accept it. Whose words carry in your life? If he says, you're healed by my stripes, and you say, I don't believe it, I'm sick, and I'm going to die. Whose words stand in your life? How do we identify tradition? The first place to look is our mouth. To hear what we're saying about what we're believing. And asking ourselves the question, is that scripture and where is that scripture at? I'm going to give you just a few examples and I'm going to let you go. I've ministered to people in in the area of healing and deliverance and these kind of things for years. And found out that one of the great, you know, sometimes people come up and there's a strong anointing and you minister to them or you lay hands on them or speak over them and, and they're set free. But I have found that there will be no real and permanent freedom and deliverance unless people get a hold of their mouth and their mind. I had a brother come to me one time and he was sincere. He said, Brother Keith, he kind of caught me over to the side. He said, I smoke. And I want to quit. Would you help me? I said, yeah. He said, can you help me is what he said. I said, absolutely. You believe God could help me that I could quit? I said, no question about it. Easy for him to help you to quit. Now, if you don't want to quit, that's another deal. And don't think that, you know, smoking or drinking or something is so much worse than anything else. I mean, not controlling your temper is a bad thing. Right? I mean, people have trouble with gluttony. People have trouble with biting their nails. It can be a little bitty thing. It can be a big thing. Whatever it is, if you want it changed, first of all, you've got to be serious that you want it changed. Hmm? If you're undecided, well, then you're not ready. But I told him, I said, it's real simple. I said, will you do what I ask you to do? He said, if I can. He said, but now, Brother Keith, I've thrown cigarettes away lots of times. And went and bought more. I don't know how many cartons of cigarettes I've thrown away. I said, I'm not telling you to throw them in away. He said, well, I've been prayed for about a dozen times. I've fallen and I got back up. And I throw my cigarettes away and had to go buy some more. He said, I've tried and I just can't quit. I've tried. I've done everything I know to do and I just can't quit. Are you hearing anything? Anybody hearing anything here? What does he believe? What's in his heart? It came out of his mouth, right? He believes he cannot quit. And out of the abundance of his heart, he said, I can't quit. And so what's true in his life for him? He can't quit. 
Had a fellow in healing school one time, bless his heart. I'll get back to that in just a minute. But he came and he said, Brother Keith, he said, I need you to pray for me. He said, man, I'm in a mess. He said he was holding his eyes and his eyes were bloodshot and he did have a problem. He said, my tear ducts don't work right and my eyes are so dry and they hurt me and I've done all these things and I've been to all these doctors, but my tear ducts don't work right. They don't know why, but they don't work right. And he talked about five minutes and he said, because my tear ducts don't work right. I don't know why they don't, but they don't work right. And he said it about 15 times in about five minutes. And he looked at me in desperation. He said, Brother Keith, help me. My tear ducts don't work right. I said, how long you been saying that? He said, saying what? <laughs> See, he didn't even realize it. Didn't even see it. Saying what, Brother Keith? I said, you said your tear ducts don't work right. He said, that's right. That's the problem. And I need you to help me. I said, how long have you been saying that? It took me five minutes to get to it. He, I said, you've been saying that your tear ducts don't work right. He said, I, I don't know. It's been this way about three years. And I said, about how long I've been saying it? I said, wonder if there's any connection. I said, we know this doesn't work. You've been doing this for three years. And you're worse. We know what this does. Let's do something else. Hmm? He said, what? I said, begin to say, I call my tear ducts healed and whole. Yes. I said, but they're not. <laughs> well, if they were, it wouldn't be any faith involved. You wouldn't have to believe that they were. If it looked that way and felt that way, you wouldn't need to call those things that be not as though they were. People stumble over faith, but it's so simple. Remember the fellow that wanted to quit smoking? He looked at me and he said, well... He said, what? What do I do? I said, just simply this. I said, are you sure you want to quit? Now, he said, yes, more than anything, but I, I just, I can't. I've tried. I said, number one, don't ever say that again. Amen. He's defiling his spirit. He's confusing and undermining his faith by what's coming out of his mouth. I said, this is what you say. You say, thank you, Lord. I am free from cigarettes. I'm free from nicotine. I said, every time you buy a pack, I said, you put them in your pocket. You say, thank you, Lord, that I'm free from cigarettes. He said, yeah, but I just bought a pack. I said, I know it. That's all right. I said, every time you open them up and take one out and light it up, I said, I want you to say, thank you, Lord. I'm free from cigarettes. I said, in between drags, say, thank you, Lord. He said, yeah, but I'll be smoking. I said, I know that. You've been smoking already, hadn't you? Yeah, I've been smoking for years. I said, so that's no big deal, right? He said, but I'll be smoking. I said, I know it. But will you say what I tell you? Will you say in between puffs, say, Lord, I just want to thank you for setting me free from cigarettes. I'm free. He said, yeah, but I'll be smoking. I said, I know it. You don't have to understand this to get it to work for you. Just will you do it, and will you do it consistently? Amen. Well, but I'll be smoking. I said, I know. Just say what I say. I said, when you take the pack out and you lay it on your nightstand at night, just say, Lord, I want to thank you that I'm free from cigarettes. Thank you. He said, well, you think it'll work? I said, I know it'll work. Will you do it? Now, will you? I looked him in the eye. I said, will you do it now? Morning, noon, and night. He said, well, okay. I saw him two weeks later. Came, sat down in the back, had this big grin on his face. You didn't have to ask him. 
It looked like a neon sign in the dark. I walked by him at the end. I said, what about it? He said, I am free. I said, tell me what happened. He said, well, I smoked for, you know, about a week. And I just, like you said, I said it every time. Every time I lit up, every time I put one out, every time I bought a pack, every time I laid it on the nightstand. He said, one day I stand on the sidewalk and in between puffs and I was just saying it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. And it hit me. And he said, I put it out and that's the last one I've had. But see, what folk do is they say, well, you know, well, it's that time of the year and my allergies are back. Whew. Boy, I can't eat that. Ooh, I can't. Ooh, if I eat that, I get gas. I get the stomachache. Ooh, I can't eat that. You believe you can't eat it? You say you can't eat it? And what? You can't eat it. Can't eat it? I've had people come into healing school with masks on and gloves on. I mean, they were allergic to seafood. They were allergic to dogs and cats and flowers and perfume. And one lady said, people. <laughs> and it would be funny if it wasn't so terrible because these people are suffering, man. I mean, they got all kind of rashes and reactions and it's terrible. And one of the guys, I mean, he last time he had any seafood was 10 years ago and about half died. And he came and he got a hold of that. And he began to say, I can eat anything I want to. But he didn't just go out and eat some seafood. You got to get it inside you first. Things happen first inside. Hmm? But he stayed with that until he was, it took him a few weeks. But he stayed with that until I didn't tell him what to do or not to do. One day he come in grinning, you know, like the cat that got the canary. He said, I had two big lobsters for lunch today. No reaction, no problem, nothing. You know, uh, I had a uh, allergic reaction, a skin thing when I was a kid. I went out one time and playing in the woods and I found this po- what's the poison stuff that's got the milky stuff in it is that ivy or sumac what is that it's the one that's got that well anyway I had a log truck and I found some of that to make my logs out of little bitty guy and I got all that stuff out of the middle and decided I'd just smear it all over my, my chest and my head and I, I rubbed it in it and I was playing out there nobody saw me for you know And by the time they saw me, oh man, I had a reaction so bad. They said it affected my blood somewhere or another, my immune system. And I mean, every year, I wouldn't be anywhere around the woods, but all this stuff would hit me and I'd be in the bed for days. Hives and sick and fever. And I went and had all these tests done for what was causing. And I had all these injections and all this kind of stuff. And ever so often, I'm working in an office now. Later on, I'd be in an office and not in the woods and just boom, there it go. But I finally got a hold of calling those things that be not as though they were. Because I'd tell people, they'd start telling me about their allergy. And I'd say, yeah, you know, I got one. It's a bad one too. And I'd tell them about it. About how it would affect me. And just, you know, have you ever seen people talk about these things? They get solemn. Like it's almost a holy thing. And like it's the great mystery that cannot be solved. 
Doctors don't know what it is. We just don't know what it is. It's a mysterious thing. But every year, about this time, your words are making you or breaking you. Your words are either allowing things to be in your life or shutting them down. I'll never forget. I had just gotten a hold of some teaching along this line. Found out I was redeemed from the curse of the law. Oh, glory. I'm still shouting about that. And I found out that involved, if you read in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus, what is it, 26, and those places, you'll find that included in that is every kind of allergic reaction. Read some different translations and you'll see what I mean. Skin conditions. Everything from eczema to psoriasis, any skin cancer, they're all in there. We've been redeemed from it. Amen. I remember I was working at a little shopping center uh, after school and some of that stuff came up on my leg. And I saw, and usually I knew, you see that, might as well just get ready to go to bed. It's going to be two or three days. You're going to be sick. You're going to be down. Take medicine and all this kind of stuff. I looked at it and I began to sing. I am healed. I am whole. From the top of my head to the soles of the tip of my... And I just stayed on that. And every time I thought about it, I wouldn't look at it. I just said, I'm healed. I'm healed. And got busy doing something else. You know, that's one way you resist the enemy. By not thinking on it. By not dwelling on it. Casting it down and saying the right thing over you. Well, a couple of days later, I realized I'm not sick. And shouted. And you know, I was free from that for years until I went to Bible school. The devil's mean. And in the middle of Bible school, this stuff hits me one day. Well, I just did the same thing. Just stood and resisted it. And it went away. And I've been free for years. How many believe that you can, even though your life's been going a certain way, you've been getting broker and broker. You've been getting poorer and poorer. Your marriage has been getting worse and worse. Your kids have been getting crazier and crazier. You're going the wrong way. What's the first thing to listen to? What have I been saying? I've been crying about how bad it is. If I want to turn this ship around, what do I do? Get a hold of the steering wheel. Get a hold of the rudder. Amen. Even though you're going that way, begin to say, in Jesus' name, I'm getting better. In Jesus' name, I call my immune system strong. In Jesus' name, money's coming to me. This thing's turning around. I'm increasing. And it's not going to necessarily all happen overnight or in a week, but you'll begin to turn. I said, you'll begin to turn and just begin to say, we're increasing more and more. We're getting stronger and stronger. We're going over. The Bible said, let the weak say... I'm strong. I'm strong. What do most weak say? I just don't know what's wrong with me this morning. Man, I just got, oh, I'm so weak. Y'all pray for me. I just feel so weak. You understand, we can pray and pray for you, but if you're not going to agree with the prayer, you can undo our prayer with your mouth. Let me give you one more illustration real close. Can you take one more? Years ago, I was in Central America on some mission work. And during the course of the stay there, somebody told me there's a missionary lady that went to your school and uh, she's down with cancer and just at death's door and wanted to know, would you come by? And uh, I felt like we should. And so I did. I went by and I saw her and bless her heart. She was had cancer of the stomach. 
and was just at death's door. You know, she couldn't eat, so it was really she's starving to death what's happening. They're feeding her multiple times a day and through tubes and all, but she's starving to death. And so pitifully weak. I had put my head down to her mouth to hear what she's saying and what she said. Now, this woman's a minister, and she knows some things about faith in the Word. And she said, Brother Keith, I'm just so weak, and I have no appetite. Everything I eat just comes right back up. And I'm just so weak. Well, her situation is pitiful, and you feel for her. But how do we come out? I said, how do we come out? What's going to get us out of this? I said, well, the power of God. Yeah, but why doesn't the power of God manifest for everybody in that case, in that situation? Our faith makes the difference. And our mouth and our words is the number one way that we act our faith. I took her hand. I said, sister, I know it's awful. I said, but do you remember? What's the question? Where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? I said, you remember, don't you? The scripture said, let the weak say, I am strong. I just took her hand. I said, I know it takes effort, but would you say this with me? I took her hand by the bedside and I said, say this. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. She said, I'm strong. He said, but Brother Keith, I just, I said, I know it, I know it, but just take your time. If you have to pause, wait. sometimes we'd wait a minute while she caught her breath and regained some strength. But the Lord's my witness and several people that within about five minutes, she's sitting up in bed <laughs> saying, I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong. Sometimes we'd just say that for five minutes. I'm strong. I'm strong. I call my body strong. In about another 10 minutes, she's standing up. You could have heard her outside the house. I'm strong, she said. I mean, such a, one of the most dramatic things I've seen along that line. Well, she's up shouting. I took her hand. I said, now listen, sister, this is not the end. I said, look at me closely. Never again say I have no appetite. Never again say everything I eat goes up. Don't say, I said, now listen, listen. I didn't say it's all the feelings would change totally overnight. I said, if you eat something and it hits the bottom of your stomach and you throw it up as soon as it hits there, when you get through throwing up, you stand up, you wipe your mouth and you say, when I eat, it stays down. She said, when I just throw it up, I said, especially when you just throw it up. That's what people don't understand. Not by what you see and feel. What you believe. Let your words change what you see and feel. I was in the States here a couple of months after that and somebody came by and they said, Brother Keith, you were in such and such country there a few months ago. I said, yeah. I said, you went by and saw Sister So-and-so. I said, yeah. They said, we just saw her. I said, yeah. I said, she's gained 20 pounds. Hallelujah. <laughs> said, she's got a great appetite. And everything she eats stays down. Glory to God. People come too late to tell me it doesn't work. I've seen it too many times. If something's messed up, we can fix it. We can correct it. We can turn the whole thing around with the mouth, with the steering wheel. 
Stand on your feet. Let's say some things tonight. Let's release our faith. And believe the Lord to help you. The next few days and next few weeks. Things that have been causing you a problem for him to help put his finger on. Say it out loud. Father God. In any area. That my words. Have hindered you. Show me. Help me to realize. What I've been saying wrong. And what I've been saying that's in disagreement with you. And I'll change it. I'll say what you say. No matter what I feel. I'll say what you say. No matter how it's been. I'll say what you say. And it'll be like you say. And get glory to yourself in it. Hallelujah. Put your hands up. Begin to thank him. The things are going to change now. Because you're going to change in your heart and your words are going to change day in and day out. Feel good, feel bad. We're going to say what he says. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. We just need to act on some things. This will only take a minute. Just say it out loud. I call my body strong. My immune system strong. My circulatory system strong. I call my heart strong. I call my lungs clear. I call my veins, my arteries clear, free. I call my bones strong. All my body, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I call strong, strong. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What about your money? What about your finances? Hmm? Sit out loud. I'm increasing. God's blessing is on me. I'm a giver. And it's coming back to me. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together, running over. Men, people are giving to me all the time. People are giving me money, deals, things, favor. I'm coming up, coming out of debt, doing better and better, increasing more and more in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Doing better. Increasing. Oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.